I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. What's going on, everybody? What is going on? I am your host, Rob Carbone, and we're back with another episode of the podcast, another episode of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, yesterday was Sunday. <laughs> the New York Giants took a loss after their, you know, adorable little run, um, Arizona got the best of them, and it wasn't really close the entire night. So the Giants, I'm not sure I didn't, again, I'm not a diehard football fan, so I didn't really check the rest of the NFC East and what they did. I do know that Dallas won. I think the Eagles won. They were winning by a decent amount last time I checked on Sunday. Um, And I don't know about the Redskins. Um, But... (laughs) So that's going to be interesting to see how the last couple of games wind down because we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the regular season uh, for football. So Giants lost, um, but <laughs> the Knicks also lost, and that's what we're going to touch on in a few minutes. We're going to get into some New York Knicks talk to dive into the first couple of preseason games that they've played so far. And, you know, they opened their preseason up with a split. They won on Friday night. And again, last night on Sunday, they took a loss to the Pistons, both to the Pistons. Um, They head home now to host the Cleveland Cavs on, I think, Wednesday and then Friday. Um, So that will conclude the preseason. And then the regular season will be here before you know it on December 23rd, I believe, is the first game for the the Knicks um, when they open up in Indiana. So... But yeah, we're going to get into that in a few minutes, talk about the Knicks, talk about their preseason so far, what I liked from Game 1, what I didn't like, same thing goes for Game 2. So we'll talk about all of that um, in just a few minutes, but yeah, I do want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for coming on. If you're new here, please subscribe. Go to the uh, go to my website and subscribe to the podcast. You can go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. You'll find the podcast there. You'll even find my blog, which you can subscribe to. The blog is fun. I write daily recaps of the Knicks when they play and when the Yankees play too, of course. I write daily recaps for them. Um, and uh, <clears throat> as for the podcast goes, you know, I have a... I release episodes every two games as far as the Knicks go, so... That's why we're doing one right now. Talk about the first two games of the preseason. And um, as for the Yankees go, if you're new here again, um, I cover them when they're in season. And I'll have episodes after every series. So thank you for stopping by, guys. The podcast is on plenty of platforms. You know, you can find BD4 on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. Um, we're on Google Podcasts. We are on SoundCloud. We are sponsored by Anchor, so go there to listen to us if you want. And uh, many other platforms. Just go to my website. You know, it'll have a list of all the different feeds for the podcast. 
Uh, so go to mysportstalkrc.wordpress.com and click on podcasts, and that'll take you to the page. So, yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I mean, fucking listen, it's been slow. You know, the off season's over, so we're just gonna have to accept that this is what we have right now for the Knicks, right? This is who's going to be playing for them. Um, unfortunately, this is what we've got. This is a product. This is a product that's going to be very interesting to see play out. But um, you know, we'll see how it goes. So let's get to our first break, and when we get back, we'll dive right into things. All right. Let me just let me just set it up real quick. All right, be right back, guys. Just a quick reminder that if you haven't followed me on social media yet or subscribe to the blog or this podcast, just go to my website to do all that stuff at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. All right, so on Friday night, it's going to be hard to remember, but I did take notes. I took notes on the game, so I'm going to read off my notes a bit, um, but on um, Friday night, the Knicks obviously going at uh, playing at Little Caesars Arena, Pizza Pizza, took on the Detroit Pistons, um, and they they took the victory in that one, 90 to 84. So they won by six. Um, so I guess we'll just, you know, what we'll, we'll do is summarize it a bit, go over the game from first quarter to fourth quarter, talk about what I liked and disliked afterwards. All right, so the game starts off with. Well, you get your starting lineup. You know, you get your starting lineup a couple of minutes before tip-off, and it, it ends up being what we see uh, on Sunday as well. Um, it's Alfred Payton at the one. <laughs> Big sigh there. Um, Alec Burks at the two. R.J. Barrett at the three. And then in the front court, you've got Julius Randle and then Nerlens Noel. So both teams kind of start off sloppy. Pretty rough start. Expected being that both of them weren't in the bubble and had to, you know, deal with a nine-month layoff. So none of them really on their games. Uh, about midway through the first, maybe a little more, the Nick youth enters, and the pace starts to pick up, unsurprisingly, right? DSJ and Mitch, the first few to come off the bench, um, later joined by Frank Knox and Obi. The Knicks go on a 14 run at the end of the first and into the early second quarter, 14-0 run, and eventually, you know, at the top of the second, a few minutes into the period, they're up 25-18. Uh, you, and then you start seeing the defensive intensity pick up a bit. The Knicks are playing very good defense. Um, you know, third quarter comes. Dibs has them playing really hard out the gate. And they end up playing good on both ends and surge to a 26-14 third quarter run in the period. So they enter the fourth up pretty, you know, pretty big with a commanding 74-61 lead going into the fourth period. You know, it was a good third quarter for RJ. He starts warming up, hits a couple of middies, you know, after a rough first half where he was 0 for 4 from distance and 2 for 10 from the floor. He ends up taking his game inside the arc, goes 5 for 6 in the second half, um, and finishes the night with 15 points. Uh, Pistons pull it closer at points in the fourth period, but I think the, the cherry on top for the Knicks was, <laughs> ironically enough, Julius Randle sealing it with 35 ticks to go, a foul line jumper, so... That gave the Knicks an 87 to 79 lead, which they held on to from there. So that was a uh, game one, pretty much. You know, a good play game. Uh, so what I liked from game one was the the fact that it was a very 
Tom Thibodeau played game. And by the way, I finally figured it out. I don't know if I told you this in last episode. I think I did, but you know, listening to them say his name on the on the on the fucking uh, on the broadcast, when you say his full name, it's th. You pronounce Thibodeau, but when you say Tibbs, it's just the T that you pronounce. I think I'm the. I feel like I'm the only one who's had a problem with that. Seriously, I don't know. Am I? I don't know. But, <laughs> but I, I did think game one was a very Tom Thibodeau-esque um, game, right? It, it was a very high tempo pace. Gotta love that. Give credit to Tibbs there because that's what he's known for. Um, and he's also known for defense, obviously. The Knicks played with a lot of energy on that end of the floor. So, a very Tibbs play game. The Knicks were very aggressive defensively. They played very good in the passing lanes. That was their big, um, you know, their biggest strength on that end was getting a lot of deflections and racking up some steals. So uh, offensively though, you have to like the, I like the player movement. I like the ball movement, particularly again, from the second unit. Um, I thought the youth played very well, you know, individually, you look at Obi Toppin, who was probably the best player on the night for the Knicks, um, going for 11 points and seven rebounds along with the block in 20 minutes of play. Um, you know, those numbers I'm not really shocked, shocked about. <clears throat> you know, I know he's going to score. I know he'll get a decent amount of rebounds. Um, but I was especially impressed with his passing and his ability to move without the ball. You know, I think that was good. He was constantly moving, constantly active. And, you know, you don't get that with Julius Randle, right? When the ball gets to Randle's hands, it sticks in his hands. When the ball swings to Toppin, he's either going to swing it to somebody else or he's going right to the rim and throwing one down. So I was pretty impressed there. And again, off the ball, if he didn't have the ball in his hands, he was either setting a screen or making a hard cut, you know, heading to the dunker spot or something like that. Um, RJ Barrett, <clears throat> again, very RJ-like, you know, he starts the night off going two for 10. Um, and then he takes his game inside the arc in the second half, takes smarter shots, starts slashing. Starts shooting more mid-range, and he goes five for six and a half. Ends up seven out of sixteen for fifteen points. Salvages what could have been a disastrous night. Um, Frank Nilakina was fine. You know he came in, hit a three-pointer, played some exceptional defense, did have four turnovers. Uh, let's see, just going down the line here, Kevin Knox. I thought he was pretty active, so that was a plus. You know he was moving without the ball. Um, there was a nice play where he went coast to coast and drew a foul. That was good. You know, when Kevin Knox is active, you like seeing that, you know, because he's athletic. You would like for him to kind of, you know, I don't know, uh, release that inner energy, I guess, you know, because he can be criticized for having that low motor at times. Mitchell Robinson, um, you know, he, like RJ, Mitch was very Mitch-like, um, the offense wasn't great. I think he was over. Uh, he did have two points from the foul line, maybe. But, you know, it was a very Mitch game. He had two blocks, two points, two blocks, four steals, seven rebounds, uh, and four fouls in 22 minutes of play. So, you know, you get a little bit of everything from Mitch, and that's what you got on, on Friday night. Um, but I will say that, that with Robinson, with Robinson and Noel on the same team, I think the Knicks are going to get 48 minutes. If there's one thing you can count on with this team, uh, I think you're going to get 48 minutes of solid rim protection this year. So that's a plus. Um, DSJ, I, I thought he looked more comfortable 
you know, play with some energy out there, but nothing really crazy. Um, he did hit a three-point shot, but, you know, the jumper still looks like he's shooting from, from and you, could, you, you saw this Sunday night too, it still looks like he's shooting on the way down. It just it just doesn't look like it's right. Um, he also played decent on the ball defensively, um, and he had four turnovers offensively. Um, last but not least, um, I guess you could say Julius Randle was all right in game one. <laughs> 11 points, eight boards, six assists, two steals. Very nice looking numbers, but you know he was very Randle-like. He took the ball up court a ton, more spin moves, and he was pretty inefficient. Um, just 5 for 11 from the field and 0 for 3 from three uh, from the free throw distance, uh, from the free throw line, and um, zero blocks. So um, that was that was pretty much it. Um, now, what I disliked, um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to nitpick here, but you know, being that we've seen this starting lineup twice now, um, I guess we'll save this part for after we talk about game two because again, the starting lineup was the same for both games. So I didn't love the starting lineup. It was a spacing nightmare just to summarize it. You know, it's going to hurt RJ. Um, you know, playing a bunch of vets makes no sense. You know, we talked about this. We're going to get into it a little later though. Um, I thought the shooting sucked ass again. And we'll also touch on this because game two was pretty much similar, you know, in game one, the Knicks took, uh, took just 23, three point attempts converting at a 22% clip. And they were just 47% on 19 foul shots. Um, I do think it will improve to an extent, but I just don't know how much, you know. But um, last but not least, one of the weaknesses of Game 1, and you saw this in Game 2 as well, they kind of had trouble running sets. It was a little bit disorganized. Maybe this is just, you know, shaking off some rust, you know, um, but there was some pick-and-roll confusion, um, you know, some miscommunication both offensively and defensively. Um, but overall, I thought it was a solid first night of the preseason. Um, just hope we get more focused on player development this year. So that's all That's all we're looking for. Um, let's get to game two. Um, so wasn't quite the, uh, <laughs> you know, if game one was encouraging, game two was, you know, a detestable spinoff. It, it was pretty repulsive at times. <laughs> it was pretty tough to watch. Uh, the Knicks ended up taking a loss at 99 to 91, but they played a lot worse than the final score shows, you know. Um, but to summarize it really quick, you get your starting lineup of the same thing again. You get Peyton, Burks, Julius, and Noel to surround RJ Barrett with um, the worst spacing you could possibly put him with. Um, so the Knicks get off to a rough start, you know, Swiss cheese defense in the first quarter, uh, turnovers galore. They let up 31 points and they turned it over at least five times. I know Peyton had three alone in the first, <clears throat> missed a bunch of shots. So, you know, the first couple of minutes, Tibbs already has to call two two timeouts. You know, one of them after a lazy uh, entry pass from Peyton to Randall, and then another after Detroit starts throwing a 2-3 at the Knicks. They went with the 2-3 zone, and that kind of just it threw the Knicks off, you know, because the Pistons know that the Knicks are not a good shooting team. So, they they play to their they play to the Knicks' weaknesses and the Knicks could not handle the zone. It was very sloppy. Um, later in the first, it's DSJ and Mitch again as the first two off the bench. Later joined by Bullock, Knox, and Obi. Uh, the Knicks still played poorly though when they came on the floor. You know the second unit was pretty poor, um, and Tibbs ended up calling another early timeout in the top of the second. 
Um, the defense ends up picking up at the end of the second quarter, you know, but it, I think the Knicks go into halftime down 10 points to Randall hits a three on a broken play at the buzzer. But um, third quarter, again, really the only quarter where the Knicks played competent basketball. Um, it's RJ Barrett. It's Alec Burks who fueled the Knicks with big periods. Um, Knicks end up scoring 33 points in the period and they enter the fourth up seven, uh, tied at 75. RJ goes off for what was it, 11 points in the quarter and Alec Burks hits a couple of jumpers, some threes and, so you go to the fourth, tied at 75, all right? Maybe we have a shot here. Again, fourth quarter starts. Pretty slow start for the Knicks. They fall behind for the Knicks. They fall behind 80 to 77. And here's Tom Thibodeau again calling an early timeout, trying to regroup here. Um, but, the, you know, the fucking Knicks come out of the timeout, and they're still pretty, um, I guess, lackluster. Their product doesn't look very good. Pretty poor product they put out there offensively. They just, they had nothing going, you know. They couldn't keep up with that dude. I don't know. He had 23 points, and 10 of them were in the fourth quarter. What's his fucking name? Some foreign kid. He's very good. I just don't know how to pronounce the kid's name. It's like Dombaya or something. I don't know. I never heard of the kid, but he starts scoring on the Knicks. Um, R.J. Barrett, as great of a game he as he had, and we're going to get into it in just a second, he did miss a transition layup off of a Randall interception with about four and a half to go. That could have cut the deficit to two. Could have closed the gap a bit, but big miss, wide open layup, and the Knicks ended up losing. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I liked was RJ Barrett. I think RJ was great. He was very efficient from the floor, 58% on 10 for 17, uh, scoring 25 points, and he hit his free throws, guys. He hit the free throws at four for five. So that was positive. And if, and if you go back to Friday in the second half, RJ, you know, he hits five out of six. So you combine that with what he was on Sunday night, and you have a guy who's 15 for his last 23. That's like 65% since Friday's second half. So you look at that, and you know you see him start. He's starting to take, you know, smarter shots. Right? He's such a great scorer inside of the arc. You just want that final three-point percentage, you know, to end up, you know, at a respectable clip. But He's confident, man. He looks confident out there. He's scoring really good inside the arc. And remind you, he's putting up 25 points and 15 in the first line. He's doing this with the worst spacing in the NBA, right? Um, but if there's one thing you can credit him for, it's that he looks really good inside the arc. Um, I just hope he doesn't become a player like DeMar DeRozan where he never, never improves his three-point shooting. He's going to have to work on that. But if there's one positive... I, I guess that he, he's shooting well from the line, and he, he looks more comfortable so far, just two games, two preseason games at that, but he also looks like he's more comfortable in the mid-range. You know, he's had a nice a couple of nice pull-ups. So, you know, hopefully the Knicks can use him in a Jimmy Butler type of role. You know, everybody's been saying this because they, they're kind of similar in terms of their style. Um, speaking of Jimmy Butler, if we're going to shit on R.J. Barrett for putting up 14-5 and five in his rookie season and for... Not being the best, you know, considering where, you know, who his, um, you know, classmates were in Zion and, and Morant. Listen, Butler averaged 2.6 points in year one and 8.6 points in year two. You know, he wasn't exactly a star out of the gate either, you know, as a guy who's been compared to Barrett. You know, Barrett's godfather is Steve Nash, and Steve Nash himself, I think it took him five years before he could start scoring past eight, nine points a night. 
he was in single figures for a while before. He, there's a lot of late bloomers. Kobe Bryant was, you know, he wasn't great out of the gate. A lot of guys you could look at, you know, had late starts to their career. It's not like you have to be a, an all-star player right upon impact. So I, I think I'm going to let off a little when it comes to RJ. I'm very concerned about the three-point shot. Don't get me wrong. I think it needs to happen. It needs to be at least average. He needs to start connecting more from there. Um, you know, he was 0 for 4 and then 1 for 5. But I'm going to give him a, more, a little bit more time because he's still a teenager, right? It's still, you know, he's barely played um, in the NBA. He's going on his second season. So just got to see where it goes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay back and see what's up with him. But I think RJ did play well. You know, I think his big third period helped him get to, uh, you know, to the 25 points. Um, Alec Burks was also a positive. If you want to put, you know, put out there, if you want to put that out there, you know, I thought Burks was again the only spacing to surround Barrett with in that lineup. Um, Burks was three for five from distance, you know, and I think this is a player who Knicks fans might like. He, he's a good high IQ vet, takes smart shots. He's a legit shooter who can, you know, possibly have another 15 points per game season if he is in that lineup. And that's the only vet I don't mind starting is Alec Burks. I think he's got potential because if he if he plays well and he puts the Knicks, you know, in a position to where, you know, not that they're contending, but if he if he puts himself, if, if Burks can start shooting, if he can continue to play as he did in the past, you know, with the Warriors and the Jazz last year, I think that helps R.J. Barrett, again, with his spacing. And hopefully you can get other guys starting to chip in, but... Burks himself, man, if he plays well for this Knicks team, you know, not only maybe could he get them to, you know, contend, you know, for, for maybe, um, but they could also, you know, if they're a bad team the entire year, which is likely, they could try to flip him for you know, another draft pick, use him as their 2021 version of Marcus Morris, you know, um, so... That was pretty much it, though, in terms of game two. That was the only thing you could look at and say, okay, well, there's your moral victory. Was you know Your moral victories were R.J. Barrett and Alec Burks playing well. Everybody else, it was pretty rough, you know? So what I disliked was, I guess we'll start with, well, the defense was okay. It wasn't like, uh, wasn't as intense, though. As Friday night's defense was, right? The defensive pressure was not the same. The Knicks were not as aggressive out there. Um, but it was the second unit who were very poor. You know, they came in, the, the deficit extended from like, you know, it was like six or seven to eight points to like 10 or 12 points at times. I think the Knicks were down by as many as 15 at one point. So the, unit, the second unit didn't have their greatest game. The starting unit was not that great either. Again, there was no spacing. Outside of RJ and Burks, nobody else played well in the starting five. Um, you know, the offense was just a, an abysmal watch. You know, it was much like it, 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 that, it, was, much like it was in 2020. There, it was just very stagnant. There was no spacing. The shooting was poor. And if we're to be any good this year, we cannot have that. You know, so far we're 13 out of 56 from the land, and that's 23%. That's low volume, and that's some low efficiency. We're just 26 for 45 from the charity stripe, which is a disgusting 58%. Um, we need guys to shoot. Reggie Bullock's, I wasn't impressed with him last season, 
And so far, I'm not impressed with him in these two preseason games, but he's got to start stepping it up. Kevin Knox was absolutely atrocious last night. He, I think I counted two air balls from him. Um, and in terms of, you know, our bigs, Mitchell Robinson still not really doing what he said. You know, he's still really not expanding his offensive game. He's still having troubles scoring outside of rim running and, you know, cleaning up the glass. Um, he did have eight points and five boards, but we're going to get into his struggles defensively in a little bit. Um, Emmanuel quickly, he made his debut only given eight minutes and, you know, he was never really set up for any threes. Um, he, he did play a decent point guard though. He was creating a little bit for, for some of the Knicks out there. Um, but you know, the only field goal he made, he had to create for himself because the Knicks weren't getting him in any positions to, to get buckets. Um, you know, I think he shot a jumper, missed it, got his own rebound and put it back up. Um, that was in like the third period, I want to say. <clears throat> Maybe earlier, I don't know. And just overall, we see, much like we saw last year, it, there's just way too much focus around Julius Randle, right? We got the full, the full-on Julius Randle experience last night. You know, and first of all, why is Julius Randle getting 32 preseason minutes? Can somebody tell me that? Why is he getting 32 minutes in a preseason in a preseason game? I mean, you see t other teams. There are teams going 15 deep, playing their rookies 35 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night. You know, and here the Knicks are, <laughs> surrounding a soon-to-be free agent, making him their number one option. <laughs> here the Knicks are, trying to get their starters right. What does that even mean? You know, why are we having this guy out there? And it's looking like, again, early, but I don't want to see this. I, I'm Last night, I don't want to see it anymore. We saw it so much last night. He was just so reckless. Keeps playing the point guard role. Hogging the ball, killing the shot clock. You know, when he makes a tough shot, he'll take more tough shots because that gives him the confidence to take more tough shots, and he misses those shots. Lazy defender. Always will be a lazy defender. You know, can we stop pairing him with Obi? Because that's never going to work. It's like putting a cat and a mouse in the same room and expecting them to mate. It's not going to work. Um, you know, the tunnel vision with him, the, the turnovers. There were five more TOs from Randall alone last night. The dumb spin moves, man. That, that shit's got to He's a fucking hurricane with the ball in his hands. Yeah, so far, through two preseason games. Very much like the Randall we saw last year. He's 9 for 22, which is what, over 40% by a smidge. 9 for 15 from the stripe. That's 60%. Not a block yet, but 7 turnovers and 6 fouls. Just very reckless. you know. And I'm tired of him getting the ball when RJ Barrett is hot. RJ's in rhythm out here and we stop beating him. It's very rare you see RJ get 2 consecutive possessions with the ball in his hand. You know, going at the rim. You don't fucking see that because Julius Randle is out here hogging possessions. Again, the ball goes in his hands and it's sticking. He's going to go right to the low block, right into the post and try to score. It's so frustrating to have to watch that shit. It doesn't improve anybody. It's just, it, He just doesn't make sense here. He doesn't make sense, you know. Um, moving on. 
God, he needs to go. Um, moving on, I, I thought Frank Nilakina, you know, he, he didn't get much time out there. Just 12 minutes, he came in, hit another three-pointer. So hopefully that shot will start to come around. I think a lot of people believe in the three-point shot eventually coming around. I, I do. I think eventually he could be a 35% guy at the worst. Um, sorry. Um, but he didn't play much. Just 12 minutes, so we didn't get to see much of him. It was a really bad night for Obi Toppin. After shining in his rookie debut, you know, goes out there and, and he's one for nine, one for six from three-point distance. Um, you know, and if inside scoring is his primary go-to, he can't be taking shots like he did last night. You know, all of them were outside the paint. Um, you know, he, he was hanging outside the perimeter. And, and a lot of that is attributed to poor point guard play. I get it. Um, but, you know, Obi Toppin himself is going to have to, you know, if his shtick if you want to call it, is, you know, operating in the paint and, and hitting inside shots, you know, he's going to have to hang out down there. Um, and, and when he was shooting those jumpers, you could tell he was a little bit hesitant. It looked like the mental game got to him a bit. He was thinking a little too much. Um, passed up a wide open look in the second half and, and then ended up throwing a cross court pass. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. You know, he was a great shooter in college, but it was at a low volume. So, we're going to have to see, does that shooting translate? And if it doesn't, that's just another reason to be concerned about the Knicks spacing issues. Um, DSJ had a couple nice feeds early, but did really did nothing after that. You know, the jumper, again, it still looks pretty odd looking. Um, getting a better look at it in game two, it just looks like he's shooting on the way down again, and that's not a, not a good sign. Um, I think he's eventually going to be buried once Austin Rivers gets some time. Um, and that's the thing, you know, I would like in these final two preseason games, can we see some guys that we haven't yet? You know, can we see more quickly? Can we see Omari Spellman? Can we see Ignas Brasdegas? Can we finally get this guy out there? If Kevin Knox is going to continue to look pretty bad, can we see what Iggy can do at the three position, at the four position? You know, get him out there. He's a good shooting wing who's pretty crafty with the ball, can score in the inside. I would like to see what this guy's got. We barely saw him last year. You know, when we did, it was garbage time. It was meaningless minutes. You know, it, it wasn't much. Um, so I would like to see Iggy, Spellman, quickly, Harper, you know, Miles Powell. I want to see some Miles Powell. You know, if we're going to struggle at the point guard position, you know, that's the bottom line. We need a fucking point guard. I would like to see Miles Powell because I think he's got the ability to be this year's version of Alonzo Trier. You know, so. Um, you know, Tibbs is going to use his vets, guys. So, you know, expect a lot of clunky lineups, you know, especially while Randall's here. If we can't trade him, he's going to be here and he's going to be starting. I have a bad feeling he will be in that starting lineup for the majority of the season. Um, but yeah, the bottom line is this is what it looks like to not have a point guard, right? The Knicks very badly need a point guard in to have Alfred Payton, you know, a 20% three-point shooter. Nobody respects him from three. He can't even shoot a mid-range. He doesn't even shoot threes or mid-range because he knows there is no shot of that going in. When he's on the perimeter, you might as well fucking have Dwight Howard shooting. That might have He might as well be Dwight Howard when he's taking a jump shot because that shit is not falling. It's really embarrassing. And in 2020, you need somebody who can at least exist from out, from outside the paint even. And he doesn't. He doesn't. That's ugly. DSJ. Where is his career? I mean, one time a 15-5 and five guy. 
now the guy looks like he just, again, it's early. We have to see what he does, but we need to see some signs, right? He's getting some opportunities and he's not producing yet. Um, and Frank Nilakina, I still think he needs more time. I don't think he's your starting point guard of the future. You know, I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I don't think he's going to be a lottery-worthy player like we picked him in. But I think he could be a good defensive wing off the bench who could come in, shoot some threes, and play defense. You know, guard the one all the way up to the, the bigger threes. You know? So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what we do at the at the lead guard position. Something tells me that it's not going to be either of those three starting eventually. I think eventually we'll see Rivers take that spot. It would be nice to see quickly get more minutes there at the one position, um, but we'll see. So, yeah, overall, you know, first two preseason games in the book, in the books, I think it's exactly what you should expect from this Knicks team. You know, um, another year where the roster is pretty much, is very clunky. Um, and lacking a point guard. So that's what you're going to get. You're going to get games where you look okay, and you're going to get games where you look ex- like, like a, a fucking egregious disaster. And so I wouldn't expect this team to be very good this year. You know, um, again, it is a shortened season, so you never know what's going to go on. But I just want them to focus on player development. But something tells me with Tom Thibodeau as their coach, He's going to be playing the vets. He's not going to spend his twilight years focusing on PD. So that's 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 not a great sign there. But we got to see we got to see some kind of a improvement here. Um. So that's it, guys. That's that's pretty much all we have to discuss. Um. Let's get to the NYY NYK question of the day to wrap this thing up. All right. All right, so um, last time out in episode 194, the question I asked you guys is, uh, which Yankee is the only player to win both an MVP in the World Series and an MVP in the All-Star Game in one season? So once again, I asked you last time, which Yankee is the only player to win both a World Series MVP and a All-Star MVP? All right, and the answer to that question was Derek Jeter, the only player to win both a World Series and All-Star Game MVP in one season. That was in the year 2000. All right, so that's the answer to that. Tonight's question of the day. Tonight's NYYNYK, or it's actually the afternoon as I'm recording, but this episode's NYYNYK question of the day. Which season with the Knicks did Patrick Ewing Total his highest points. I worded that really fucking shitty, didn't I? Let's say that again. Which season did Patrick Ewing tally his highest points total as a Nick? All right. So which season did Patrick Ewing tally his highest points total as a Nick? All right. So name me the year. Name me the year he did that in. All right. So message me or comment the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And that's that, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Rob Carbone, with episode 195 of the podcast of BD4. Once again, if you haven't followed this, uh, us, fucking uh, go do so right now. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts, we are on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're sponsored by Anchor. 
great sponsor. If you want to start your own podcast, I suggest you do it by going to Anchor. Um, but guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's all we've got for this one. And um, I'll see you in the next episode. I'll see you on Friday night in the podcast. All right, guys, thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. All right, ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.